Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you today? Awesome, awesome. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors around here at LifePoint. And if you're a guest with us today, first of all, thank you so, so, so much uh, for being with us. It's just always uh, an honor, man. I can't tell you how much it means to us when folks come to check us out for the very first time. Hopefully you got some good coffee. Hopefully you got some fist bumps, some high fives, some nice smiles all around. We're so glad you're here. Uh, welcome, welcome to LifePoint. Hey, one thing before I jump into the message today. Uh, for those of you that this is home for you, this, this, this will be relevant to you. <clears throat> um, every year at the end of the year, um, or in the fall, sometime in the fall, we receive uh, this one-time offering we call a legacy offering. And we receive regular tithes and offerings like every church in America does during the, during the services. But at the, at the end of the year, we do this, this special offering. And what we do is we try to help our, our partners, uh, not only here in San Antonio, um, but around the globe, all of our missions partners, just move further faster. And you guys have been so great over the years to just help us to, to write some really awesome checks and to help some folks that are doing great, great work to do that. We've continued to support all those, those folks this year. A little bit different <clears throat> in that we're building a brand new building right down this road here. This is FM 1560. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's supposed to be done uh, in about five weeks. Uh, I want to ask the uh, general contractor the other day. He went, <laughs> so I'm going to say <laughs> to you guys as well. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know when it's going to happen, but it's, it's soon, man. It's coming. Uh, every, every day there's stuff happening. They, they, finished almost, they almost finished the bricks. Their stucco is going to be finished this week. They're putting all the windows and the doors in uh, this week and next. Um, they're finishing up the kids' classrooms because uh, those classrooms are ahead. They finished all this, the, the sheetrocking inside of the auditorium. So it's coming along uh, really quickly. Um, but as we've mentioned over times, there, have, there were some things that were left out of the budget by, uh, I don't know how it got happened, but anyways, um, things like chairs, which you guys have already helped us with. Um, so we're going to take that legacy offering for the very first time, and hopefully the only time ever, and we're going to just pour it into that house, because that's, uh, that's home. And when we get in there, we're going to move further, and we're going to move faster. And I just believe that we're going to be able to help our partners even more than we've ever done so. Um, and that's, that's the goal, always the goal. And so just be praying about that. If this, Never any pressure. We never, never want to put pressure on anybody. It's just uh, if you want to pray about it and ask God what he wants you to do or how he wants you to do or if he wants you to be part of that, we'd love for you to do that. That's October the 27th. So today we're starting a brand new series, as you just saw, called When Pigs Fly. How many of you ever heard this uh, little phrase, when pigs fly? Have you heard this? Or sometimes people say when donkeys fly or, I don't know, whatever other animals. Um, it's kind of a sar sarcastic phrase that just kind of means this is probably not going to happen. So for, for you, those of you who maybe have teenagers, um, did you clean your room? I'm going to get to it. And you're going, yeah, when pigs fly. Come on, somebody, anyway. I have teenagers in the room today, and they're bitter at me right now. Um, anyways, if, you, if you're from Ohio um, and you're a Cleveland Browns fan and somebody says, hey, the, the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl this year, and you're like, come on, man, when pigs fly. Anybody know what I'm saying? <laughs> Those of you who are like me, you're Cowboys fans, and somebody says, are the Cowboys going to win the Super Bowl? And you're like, of course they are. <laughs> They're God's team, everybody. Come on. <laughs> somebody yelled out when pigs fly. <laughs> I know who you are. I'll cut you. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> when pigs fly. And what we're talking about um, over the next several weeks is about miracles 
And, and really, this is more, more than a series. At LifePoint, if you're new here, we tend to think in terms of series to try to take the Bible and unpack it over this, the course of some weeks to talk about a theme or a topic, or sometimes we'll just take a book of the Bible and go verse by verse through it. Um, and that's just kind of how we think. And this is a series that we're starting, but it, to me, it's more than a series. It's kind of a, just a, a theme for the fall. We're entering into a season we've never been in before. We've never had our own building. This is somebody else's building that we have made look like this the best we could. Uh, it has no parking lot, by the way, and um, the bathrooms are way over there. If you need to go to the restroom today, you better go early. You know what I'm saying? Don't wait till the last second, because, anyways. Um, but we're talking about miracles today. Uh, and and th- today, I want to just kind of give an introduction to the very idea of m- miracles from the biblical text. More Bible study today than maybe, maybe normal, a lot of verses, a lot of scriptures. Um, but, and I'll get into that. We have um, at our property down the road, we have a pond. A lot of you don't know this. We have a pond in the back of the property. Um, there's a thing called Calabria Creek, which is dry 99% of the time, but when it rains hard, it flows and it fills up that pond. And so um, we have recently had a duck show up there. I'm not going to say who brought the duck in, but somebody dropped the duck off there like a stray duck and put him in there. His name is Adam, they told us. And so Adam is more dog than he is duck. He thinks he should come into the house with us. He thinks he should, he tried to get into the general contractor's truck the other day. He's like, dude, there's this duck out here trying to get my truck. I'm like, yeah, it's Adam, dude. He's just cool. He walks around the building. He has his own pod now, mind you, that's just his. Nobody else is in there, but he'd rather come hang out with us, and we feed him. So the other day, I'm down there feeding him because I love this duck now. He and I got a thing, man. We should have called this one Ducks Fly, except that ducks can fly, so it kind of wrecks the point. Anyways, um, so I'm down there at the pond the other day, and I'm just going, man, this pond is shrinking up because there's been no rain. And it, it usually is really long. It goes around through the neighborhood beside us there. And that's all gone. And it's like, you know, I'm standing in, in where I'm feeding. Um, and we also have these fish in this water, in this pond. They come up and they smack the water because they love me like that. Only because I, I throw food to them. But anyways, they, I, I want to believe they love me. All right. Anyways. And so I'm like, man, God, I was just kind of joking. Like, God, you should fill this pond back up for us and it would be awesome. And so... Because uh, we have deer, we have hogs, we have foxes, we have coyotes, owls, and everybody's drinking water down there. And so I'm like, you know, it'd be cool. So the next day, imagine my surprise when I go out there, and it's risen by three feet, y'all. I'm not even joking. I'm, it's, like, it's by three feet. And I'm like, whoa. You know, I'm like looking at my hands like, I'm like, like it rose by three feet. And then the next day, it had risen another foot. And I was like, I, don't, I can't explain this. There's no logic to it. I'm not saying it was a miracle. It's probably just a bunch of leaky toilets. Anybody want to get baptized there? <laughs> The pond. I don't know what I don't know what happened. All I know is it rose by three feet overnight, and then another foot, and it's completely full. Like whenever it's storm season, like it's totally full. And I'm like, I, I don't know, uh, but I believe in miracles. Uh, anyways, um, uh, so it, uh, I don't know why I told you that story other than something happened there, and it was awesome. Anyways, I want to say this before I move on. Um, there's some of you who have walked in this room today. Um, carrying things, facing things, health things, um, financial things, marriage things that, that are keeping you awake at night. And, and I just feel like it's important for me to tell you that, that God is going to bring you through that. That God's going to bring you, like, like maybe if you don't hear one other thing that I say today, I want to just tell you that God is going to bring you through. He's done it before. A lot of you know this. He's done it before, and he's not going to leave you hanging right now. And I just want to leave that for you. God's going to bring you through. So, is 
do miracles still happen? Is healing for today? What is the point of miracles? What is a miracle? And I would just say miracles simply is when God in heaven uh, intervenes on earth. And however, in whatever ways he decides to do that. So I want to just kind of give you an introduction. And I want to start today with Jesus and his ministry. Because miracles were a, a huge part of Jesus and his ministry. The New Testament chronicles around 40 of his miracles, um, more or less. Some of them were implied. Some of them were explicit. Um, he did many more. As a matter of fact, the Gospel of John says that if we recorded all of them, it would fill all the libraries in the world. Um, they range, his miracles range from, from miracles involving nature, like uh, calming a storm, um, to uh, my favorite one was when the guys needed to pay their taxes, and he says, catch these fish, and you're going to find some coins in there. So, fellas, I'm just saying, if you need to go fishing and your wife doesn't want you to, just tell them, hey, I'm trying to fix the taxes. We got a tax deal. It, may, it probably won't work. But anyways, he performed many miracles of healing. He raised people even from the dead, like Lazarus and and uh, Jairus' daughter. In, in most cases, you'll find that you go through the text, he was healing people who didn't believe in him yet, and, and he would heal them or heal their family members to cause them to believe what he was saying, to trust him, to put their, his, their faith in him, and, 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 and to pay special attention to what it was that he was saying. In other cases, the Bible would say things like, and when he saw their sick, he was moved with compassion, and he healed their sick. And, and he would do this again and again, and he, he started this movement, and he, and he gave his disciples um, the same kinds of power to go out and do a lot of this. And here's what he says to his disciples in John chapter 14, verse 12. He says, I tell you the truth. Anybody who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He, and, and then he goes a little further. He says, and he will do even <clears throat> greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Now, there's a lot in that that I don't have time to explain other than to say that he says it's going to be better for you if I go to the Father because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit um, to empower you, and the Holy Spirit's going to able, enable you to do greater things than, than even what I did. Now, it's obvious that he intends to give them power um, because in Luke's Gospel in chapter 22 and in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, I'm going to give you power to, to become witnesses to the ends of the earth. And, 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 and you've, you've probably heard that if you're familiar with the biblical text. But part of that power for those disciples was to include the power to work miracles. And during the early days of the new church, in Acts chapter 2 describes the birth of the Christian church. 3,000 people get saved that day. The Holy Spirit's poured out. And, and so during the early days, the, these, these disciples um, are doing many miracles um, as a matter of fact, Acts chapter 2, verse 43 says that many signs and many wonders were done by the apostles. Now, up until this point in the book of Acts, which is where we're going to look at for a minute, we're not given any specifics about any of the miracles until uh, chapter 3. For some reason, Luke, the, the physician who, who penned the, the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, he, he, spe he, he spends a special amount of time describing this particular miracle. Now, it wasn't... Uh, a bigger miracle than many of the other ones that they did. Um, but it was the first one that raised eyebrows, that caused some conflict. Peter and John, who, who are, who are the, the, the sort of conduits of this miracle, are, are taken before the Pharisees and the scribes and the magistrates and, 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 and threatened. And so it's, 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 they're per persecuted because of it. And so I think it bears us taking a look at it. Uh, before this mi miracle in Acts, in Acts chapter 3, 
um, they have had nothing but like smooth sailing. Acts chapter 2, verse 47 says that they had favor with all of the people. Everybody's like, woohoo, you know, right on to these guys. They're crazy. Look what they're doing. But in this particular place, some trouble comes down on them. And I want to read this, Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Long reading. Stay with me if you don't mind. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, which was at 3 in the afternoon, every day. Every day, this was their rhythm. Every day. Jesus would have been doing this as well during his time. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he's seeing a potential source of income for himself because he has no other way to make money. He asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. And so the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter says to them, silver or him, silver or gold, I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And, and look at the Bible, underline this if you got your scriptures out. Instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him. Whoa, this is the same dude we've been seeing out here. We find out later on that he's been sitting out there for a long time. Um, uh, who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what ha happened to him because they've seen him. Um, verse 11, while the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people, because there's a crowd of people who are also there to pray, were astonished, and they come running to them in a place outside the temple called Solomon's Colonnade. This is part of the temple complex. And verse 12, when Peter saw this, he said to them, now, he's taking this moment to go, I'm going to give clarity to what just happened with this guy. Men of Israel, why, did this, why does this surprise you? Why, why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? And in other words, he's making sure that they know that the power that healed this man was not their power, nor was it their own godliness or religiousness that was the agent of healing here. It is, he's, they're saying it's not a human act that you've just witnessed. What is it then? Verse 16, Peter, Peter explains it like this. By faith, in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing, you should underline that, to him as you can all see. Now first, I'm going to just kind of break this down. Kind of bear with me. We're going to get into the weeds a little bit, all right? I'm not going to get as weedy as I'd like to, like I'd like to do a whole long deal. I'm not going to do it. You can say amen for that, all right? I'm going to give a little bit of weeds, all right? Now, notice that the faith to heal was Peter's faith, not the guy. He's got his hand out for money. He's not expecting to be healed. It's Peter's faith that gets activated, and it's through Jesus that, 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 that Peter gets this faith, that, that, that something activates inside of Peter. He's like, whoa, I'm going to heal this guy today. God's going to heal him. And, and it came through the working of Jesus. Now, Jesus has acts, if you remember the chronology. Jesus has ascended into the heavens. He's gone. He said, I'm, I'm going to send the promise of the Holy Spirit, which happens in Acts chapter 2. You guys are going to do some crazy stuff in my name. And, and this is what's happening. But it's still Jesus at work. You with me? It's not Peter and John. It's Jesus at work. And this, it seems to me, is the key um, to what happened in verse 4 when Peter gazed at the lame man. Now, Luke says... In verse 2, that this man was laid daily at the gate. So Peter has passed this man. Now look at this. He's passed this man many times before, 
and never healed him because Peter is a good Jewish man. He's going to go to the prayer time at 3 o'clock uh, every day. As a matter of fact, Jesus would have gone past this guy on many, many occasions because the guy's been sitting there for years. Jesus definitely saw him on his way to the temple. And it begs the question, why has Peter and why has not Jesus ever healed him before? Like, it's an incredible answer. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why. I, I have nothing. All right, so you're welcome. Thanks for coming. <laughs> now, but on this day, something's different. Nothing's different with the guy. He's been, he's been doing this every day. But something's happened. What? What's happened? The faith to heal him came through Jesus. Something clicked inside of Jesus and Peter, and Peter knows it this day. When he says, what I have to give you, what he's meaning is today, I have been given something special for you that's different than any other time I've ever passed by here. Jesus has just given me the faith to speak healing to you, and now I'm going to share this gift with you. Rise up. Now, the response was immediate, and it was spectacular. The miracle not only supplied strength to his joints and his muscles, his feet and his ankle, but also instant and complete coordination. This guy has never learned to walk, and he's suddenly not only an expert in walking, but also he has the capacity to jump around. Jump around, jump around. Uh, anyways, um, anybody from the club? The club? The club? Right, anyway, now think about that for just a second. Th those of you who are above the age of 30 and maybe you used to be an athlete back in the day, right? You ever heard somebody say, well, man, back in the day, like you should have seen me, right? Like I was that guy too, right? Have you ever ridden, those of you who played ball or whatever, have you ever ridden in a car for like four consecutive hours and then you get out to go to the restroom? What, what happens to you, right? To use a good Mississippi colloquialism, I used to live there, you get all stove up. Man, Doc, I'm all stove up. Y'all, anybody heard this one? Three people. All right, anyways. <clears throat> you can barely walk, and everything's popping and snapping like, you know, Rice Krispies or whatever. So imagine this guy, right? He ain't been in the car for three or four hours. He's been stove up for his whole life. You know what I'm saying? And he's never walked, and now instantly through the power in the name of Jesus, he's got like a one-man mosh pit work, and he's jumping around, dancing around. And this is what Peter means when he says his healing was complete. Now, I want to make an observation here. In the last part of verse 16, it says, it is in Jesus' name, and the faith that, look at this now, comes through him, through Jesus, that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. Now, Jesus gave the faith to heal and Peter acted on it. But look at the first part of the verse. By faith in the name of Jesus. So here, the healing agent is said to be faith in the name of Jesus. So if we put the two statements together, the second half of, of, of verse 16, faith has given the man health. And the first part, it's the name of Jesus has made him strong. The point becomes this, that faith that Jesus gives to heal is effective because it is faith in the name of Jesus. And as a matter of fact, it is, it is the name of Jesus that is bringing about the healing. You with me so far? Now, how is that? How is it possible that a name could do something like that? Because the name of Jesus stands for the reality, the sum total of who Jesus is. It stands for who he is, but it also stands for the authority because Jesus says in the Gospels that all power and all authority has been given to me. Right? Amen, somebody? And when Peter says in verse 
6, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. He's saying, I'm speaking the words. It's me speaking the words, but it is the power in the name of Jesus that is going to heal you. It's not me. It's him. It is through the name. It is through faith that Jesus has given me and through the power of his name that you are healed. So he's saying the man is literally healed in and by the name of Jesus, which is why you hear us pray a lot of times in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody, because there's power in the, not like, like kind of power, there's all power in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen? Now, this is the first of many miracles recorded in the book of Acts, done not only by the apostles, but by some deacons named Stephen and Philip. So we know that through the written record of the book of Acts, that miracles continued after Jesus had gone into heaven. All right, you with me so far? Everybody say amen. Three of you are. All right, here we go. All right. Now let's try to answer some questions. First, what was the point of miracles? Why were these miracles being done, right? The point of healings and miracles was not just for the healings or the miracles in and of themselves. Number one, they brought attention to Jesus. They gave credence. They gave credibility to what it was he was saying and caused people to put their faith in him. Matter of fact, some of the people would hear Jesus. They didn't know him. They didn't believe in him. They didn't know who he was. They just knew he was this guy. And he would talk and people would gather around him. And then all of a sudden, he, they would say things like, this guy, he talks different than, than our teachers of the law. He's got some kind of different level of authority. Like, like our teachers are right here, but Jesus is on a, a how never level. Y'all know what I'm saying? Anybody? Oh, whole another level, right? Like, like he, they're, he's, they're awesome, but he's like at a, at a whole nother level. As a matter of fact, if you read the Gospel of John, John chapter 2, the Bible says Jesus has called these disciples, these 12 guys, they're following him around, but they don't have their faith in him yet. They're just like, like, like he just said, come follow us, so we did. But the moment that Jesus performs his first miracle, the miracle of the, turning the water into the wine, right, in Canaan at that wedding, the Bible says in John chapter 2 that from that moment on, the disciples were like, he just did that, and oh, he's at a whole nother, nother level, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and so this is what's happening. They don't believe until they see him do a miracle. So at one point in John chapter 14, Jesus is still trying to convince him, like, dude, like, y'all got to trust me on this. The, I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me, and he says, and, and, and believe me when I say that, but even if you don't believe me, look what he says here, at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. You see that? Like, like, he's like, hey, fellas, I know you, you may not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, but you see anybody else healing blind eyes? You see anybody else raising up dead people? Come on, somebody. Like, like just at least believe what I'm telling you by, by what you see me doing. Um, and so, so it brought attention to Jesus. Number two, it opened the doors for the gospel to be preached. Like, because as soon as this happens, all this, these people gather, and they're going, Peter, what just happened right here? And I've, I've read you some of that. But he goes on, and he preaches to these guys in Solomon's Colonnade. He preaches to a lot of people, because there's a bunch of people going, dude, you got to see this dude that was out here. Y'all remember the dude? This dude's been healed. He's running around already. And so the crowds have gathered, and Peter's like, oh, yeah? I preached this message last week on, in Acts chapter 2. I'm going to preach a lot of that same thing. I, I remember when I was a, when I was a young preacher. I wasn't even really a preacher. I was just a singer who decided, I think I'm supposed to preach. But I only had one sermon, y'all. Listen to me. I only had one. And so somebody would be like, dude, that was good. Why don't you stay and preach tonight? Because we used to have Sunday night church back in the day. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like some of y'all don't know about Sunday night church or Wednesday night or Tuesday prayer or Saturday morning uh, like evangelism. Y'all don't know about all that. You're like, man, I have a hard time getting here once. 
You do. <laughs> Y'all don't know about all the times we used to go to church back in the day, right? And so the dude would be like, hey, can you preach twice? I'd be like, nope, I only have that one. That's all I got. <laughs> and Peter's like this. He's, so he's preaching a lot of the very same things. And so he, he, he gets this opportunity to preach the gospel to these brand new people who have never heard the gospel. They weren't there on, Acts, on the day of Pentecost. And a bunch of people give their lives to Jesus on that day as a result of a miracle, right? Number three, uh, this miracle silences the critics. And, and a lot of times miracles do silence the critics. You could say it causes faith to rise in the people who had no faith, and that was true. But in the case of the miracle of Acts chapter 3, it serves to shut the mouths of the critics. Look on. This is Acts chapter 4. This is the same story. Peter and John are before this tribunal. They're in trouble. They're being criticized by people who are saying, you need to stop preaching about Jesus. You need to stop all that. We don't believe in him. And, and here's what happens. Verse 13. But when the tribunal, when the Pharisees, the Sadducees, when, when the scribes, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized these dudes are unschooled. They're ordinary men. But they were astonished, and they took note that these men, by the way, this is the key every day for all of us, they, they, they took note that these men had been with Jesus, right? But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Like, it's like a courthouse, and they're like, we don't believe in Jesus, and we don't believe in his power. And, and they're like, yeah, but this lame guy, this guy, he's walking around right now, and they're like, uh, Your Honor, we have no further questions, right? They're just like, it's, it's over, right? So it silences the critics. Now, it, the question is, well, there, are there miracles, are they still for today, right? Now, let me tell you the truth about this. There are plenty of good Christians, pastors, and even Bible scholars who would say no, no. They have some really good arguments. They can use some of the verses and some verses from the Bible and say, look, here's where, it, you know, miracles and signs and wonders have ceased, and, um, and, 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 and they died out with the apostolic age, which was the age of the apostles they, that ceased when that happened. And when you really get down with them and talk to them about it, I think what you find out is a lot of them are more turned off by the, the sort, of, sort of faith healers that are on Christian television selling miracle water and, you know, blowing on folk and, and, and whatever else. And, and they get a little bit weirded out by that. And by the way, I do too. I get a little bit weirded out by that too because I'm like, man, anytime... A miracle brings attention to a, the, a man and not Jesus. Something's jacked up. Y'all know what I'm talking about right now? Something's a little bit jacked up. Whenever somebody turns it into Sideshow Bob deal going on, I'm weirded out by that. But let me ask you something. Should we let abusers and manipulators destroy what I believe God intended for his church? Of course not, because somebody takes the gifts to an extreme doesn't negate their positive reality. I believe for reasons that I'm going to give you that, that they still happen. Um, number one, Jesus... We're in the weeds still a little bit here. I'm going to get out of the weeds in just a minute. Jesus teaches a continuity between his own ministry and an ongoing ministry of the church throughout the ages until he would return. Um, he says in John 20 and 21, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. Luke says in, nine, in, in chapter 9 verse 2 that when Jesus sent out the 12, he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal. In Luke chapter 10, verse 9, it's not the 12. He sends out an additional 70 people who are not apostles, who are not the disciples, the original ones. And he says, he commands them, whenever you enter a town, heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Matthew 24, 14 says the, this gospel of the kingdom, not, not just the gospel, not the words, but the actions, the doings of Jesus will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all of the nations, and then the end will come. So until all that happens, 
the end doesn't come. In other words, the same gospel that Jesus preached, the same teachings that he taught, the same doings that he did, for the most part, are still supposed to be done. He does not say, make healing part of the ministry until all of you guys die, and then we're going to shut it down. He never says that, right? Now, some say, well, it was just the 12 apostles that did, did, did the miracles, and when they died, it died out, except that two deacons did. In Acts chapter 6, Luke says that Stephen, who was not an apostle, who's not a disciple, full of grace and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Acts chapter 8, 6, it says, And the multitudes, with one accord, gave heed to what was said by Philip when they heard him and they saw the signs which he did. The, the third piece of evidence is in, in, in Galatians chapter 3, 5. Long after Jesus is gone, Paul writes to the churches of Galatians and says, Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? In other words, this Galatian church, Jesus is gone. Paul isn't even there. He's writing a letter in his absence and saying, hey, miracles are happening amongst you. How do you think that's happening? By, is it by the law? Because he's dealing with Judaizers who are trying to say that it, it's not about Jesus. It's Moses and Jesus. It's the law and Jesus. And, and Paul's going, no, it's not. It's just about Jesus. And the same spirit that was at work uh, with Jesus is at work amongst you now. Finally, the fourth piece of evidence is in 1 Corinthians 12. And I got, I got 100 pieces of evidence. But you don't want to hear them all. Anyways, he says in, in chapter uh, 12, verse 7 and 10, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, he's saying, listen, local church gatherings, places where there's a local church, wherever Jesus is being glorified, wherever his, his gospel is being preached, there are going to be people inside the church who are given spiritual gifts. I don't have time to get into all that today, but I will. I promise you I'll get into that at some point. And he says, so some of them, man, they're given, uh, and it's all for the common good. He says, to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another gifts of healing, to another working of miracles. And then verse 28, he distinguishes this from the apostles when he says, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings. And so it's pretty obvious that this was supposed to be an ongoing thing. But the most credible evidence for me personally, for those people who would say, well, I don't believe the Bible, and I don't believe any of this stuff that you're saying right now, it's, it's the same thing that Peter submitted in Acts chapter 4. And it's the experiences of somebody's life. The rulers can't say jack against the, the miracle power working of Jesus because this guy was disabled and now he's not. And so they don't have anything left to say. Can, can I just tell you, I stand before you today. I'm 47 years old. I know I look 27, but I'm really 47. Just kidding. Come on, y'all. Just a little, make sure you're awake. All right. I stand before you today as a person who has been healed on various occasions, like n no question about it. Um, I'm living in Houston. I am 28 or 9 when this happens. I have some stuff going on. I don't know what it is. I go to the doctor. It's an internist. And he goes, let's run some tests on your heart. Something's not right. Uh, I don't hear something I'm hearing is wrong. And he does the EKG thing or whatever it is called. They hook me up to the deal. He goes out and does, he sees other patients, you know, the, the nurses come do it. He comes back with this piece of paper and he goes, hey man, you need to sit down for just a second. Um, this isn't good. Um, you have an enlarged heart. And for those of you who know what this is, I didn't know what that was. It's not good. And there's no way to reverse it. As a matter of fact, our dear friend, Benit June down in Haiti, um, who we support with his orphanage and his school, uh, his little brother died at 26 from an enlarged heart. Same thing. And he goes, uh, I, I got to have you come back. We're going to run some more tests in two weeks. Um, but just, just know this is, we, this is not good. So I go, 
And I go to this meeting, and I'm not there for any other reason than somebody told me to come to this church service. And there's a guy there, and, and I, didn't, I didn't even know he was going to be there. And I didn't know who he w- really was anyways. But he says, hey, listen, I just feel like God wants to heal people from heart stuff. And so he's like, if that's you, just stand. And there was, a, there was like thousands of people there. And so I was like, okay, I'll stand. And nobody touched me. Nobody prayed for me. Like, like nobody laid hands on me or anything like that. Um, it was just like, hey, he prays it. I don't feel like any, like, I don't feel anything, you know. It's like nothing. It's just like, all right, that was cool. Um, and I go back, you know, to the doctor, and he, he runs the test. So and he comes back out, and he goes, uh, hey, man, uh, good news. Uh, I go, what, what, what's the good news? He's like, well, um, you know this thing, and he shows me the abnormalities. I didn't know. It was just a bunch of lines on a paper. He goes, uh, you, you have an enlarged heart, you know, left, whatever, ventricle. I don't remember what it was. He goes, but this other test, this bigger test, it shows everything's perfectly normal. And he goes, um, so look, like maybe I made a mistake last week or last a couple weeks ago. He goes, but I know you're like a pastor or something. And he wasn't a preacher. I mean, he wasn't a believer of any kind. And he was just like, so like whatever you guys are, you guys have been doing, you should probably keep just doing that. <laughs> you're good, my man. You're good. Everything's good. So, like, somebody could say, yeah, yeah, it didn't really happen. I'll be like, well, I'm just going to say, maybe you're wrong. You're wrong, all right? <laughs> so, we believe it here, and we've seen it happen here, um, and, and we're going to keep believing that God is able. And I want to just spend these last few moments. I, I was in the weeds for you, and I want to I get up at 30,000 foot now, just for the last few moments here. I, I want to talk to you about a singular truth about our God. Um, that somebody needs to grab hold of here today. And over these next several weeks, I just believe that God is going to do some great things. And it may not even happen in this room. It may happen in your home. It may happen in your finances. It may happen in your marriage. We may not even hear about it, but I believe this truth that I'm going to give you. So Paul the Apostle, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, if you don't know who he is, his life was dramatically changed. He was a guy named Saul. He was persecuting the Christian church. He was literally present while people were being killed for their faith, including Stephen, who I just referenced. But he has this incredible encounter on the road to Damascus where Jesus shows up, the risen Savior shows up, blinds him for a minute to get his attention. He gets healed from all that later on, but he goes out passionately, zealous. He had been zealous for, for the Jewish faith, and now he's zealous for the cause of Christ. And so he's writing to this town, uh, in a town, a place called Ephesus. And he writes the book of Ephesians, which is probably my favorite book in all the Bible, that and Romans. Uh, and in chapter 3, which I would argue is one of the great chapters in all the Bible, he says, now I kneel before the Father from whom, uh, in, uh, in heaven and earth, from whom all, all these blessings flow. He gets sidetracked for 14 verses, and he just goes off. He's blown away. He, get, he picks it back up in verse 14. But then he gets to verse 20, and he says this incredible thing. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work. Where? Where? Within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And some of you have walked into this place in a season of your life where more than ever before, and I would argue this as a church that we need this truth more than ever before, you need to be able to grab hold of this reality that our God is able. 
that our God is able, able to do what? A- able to do whatever needs to be done in this world and in your life. That I would argue that there is no problem that can stop him, that there is no obstacle that can thwart him, that there are no circumstances that can worry him, there are no outcomes that confuse him. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah says in v- chapter 32, verse 17, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arms, and nothing is too hard for you. Come on, somebody, nothing is too hard for you. So, so what does the Bible teach that our God is able to do? Well, you've already heard me say it. He's able to interact with and suspend the laws of nature anytime he wants to because he created all of it. He, again, this is a reality. This is not some fable from a, an old book. This is our God. He's able to part a body of water so that people can cross over the Red Sea through dry land to run from the Pharaoh. I was watching a National Geographic show the other day. By the way, it's not a religious network. Amen, somebody? And they have found remnants of Pharaoh's chariots there exactly where the Bible says they should be, right? And, 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 and I watched it, and I was like, they had been looking for evidence, and they found wheels and parts of chariots in the sea thousands of years after the fact. He, he's able to calm a storm, the Gospels say, just by saying, peace be still. He's able to make the thickly walled city of Jericho come tumbling down when some folks start shouting. He's able to buy, to make a boy named David uh, defeat a giant named Goliath. He's able to make a drought to prove his point. But he's also able to make a flood to prove another point. He's he's able to make a rainbow um, to, to, to serve as a reminder of his promise to never flood the world like that again. And God's power is not limited to the laws of nature. Like some of you are like, okay, well, get to my, my reality. Again, this is a reality. This is our God. Our God is able to bring deliverance from impossible situations. Some of you right now might be facing a situation in your health where you would say, there's no way. I don't know how to get through this. Some of you may be facing a situation in your marriage where it seems like it's over. There's no way to turn this around. Some of you are facing financial situations where you're like, there's no way that we can get out of this hole that we put ourselves into and Jesus says in response to something like this in Matthew 29, uh, or sorry, 19, verse 26, he says, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. He, he's able to deliver Daniel. What's up, Daniel? That's my name. From the mouths of lion, right? He, he's able to deliver Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego from a fiery furnace. He's able to deliver a boy named Joseph from Pharaoh's prison, a boy named David from Saul's anger, Israel from Egyptian slavery, Esther from Haman's genocide, Elijah from Jezebel's murderous wrath, and Paul from a Philippian jail. Anybody here need a little deliverance in your life? Some of you right now, it's drugs or pornography or alcoholism or depression or anxiety or greed or anger. Right now, I want you to know our God is able. Not, not, not just that. I'm just showing you the categories of miracles. Not, not, is he, not only is he able to deliver, but he's able to provide. He's able to give manna to feed his people every day for 40 years. Sometimes the, the word manna, by the, mean, by the way, means what is it? Like it was so good. They're like, whoo, what is this? And sometimes like I'll be having some hamburger, like hop dotty or whatever. and be like, dude, this is manna. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Little manna. Anyways, um, some of you are like, what's wrong with this brother? He can't stay on track. I know I'm ADD. Let me go. <laughs> Right? He could heal ADD. I believe it. I'm still waiting for my miracle right now. <laughs> I, just, I just wrecked my own message. Anyways, um, no, I didn't. 
He's able to bring water out of a dry rock. He's able to order ravens to bring food to a man named Elijah by a little brook. He's able to take two fishes and five loaves and feed 5,000 people and have 12 baskets left over. And the apostle Paul, who knew what it was to be in great need, in great turmoil, in great hunger, says, and our God is able to supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. The same God who supplied the needs in the Bible is still supplying needs today for a fact. My wife's sitting right there. For a fact, he has supplied financially in health in terms of all sorts of ways for my family over and over and over again because our God, our God is able. And not only that, our God is able to change the hearts of men and women. He's able to take a man who's trapped by alcohol for decades and give him sobriety and a new heart because anger had, had ravaged that man. I've seen it happen with my own eyes. He's able to take a marriage that has been devastated by betrayal and hurt and even hatred and put it t- back together and make it not just new, but I've seen him make it better than new where people would say our marriage has never been better than it is right now as a result of this. I've seen it happen. He's able to take a man who's been disgraced and undone by scandal and, and sin and make him into a brand new creature. He's able to come alongside a family who's been devastated by the news of a terminal illness so that they can look in the face of the future with truth and hope that disease does not get the final word. I've seen this happen. He's able to heal cancer and heart disease and kidney disease and colds and headaches and everything in between. I've seen it for myself. He's able to heal brokenness. He's able to reconcile relationships that seem too far gone. He's able to deliver people from the baggage and the shame and the guilt of their yesterdays. He's able to give wisdom to people who who lack wisdom. He's able to provide meaning to lives who are without meaning. He's able to breathe hope and life into somebody today. He's able to raise Jesus Christ from the dead and promise a resurrection to everybody in this world who will trust him. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than not only just what we can ask, but even what we can imagine and and we don't even think to ask. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. Anybody want to say amen right about now? And, And he's able to forgive sins. Come on, the greatest miracle of all, he's able to forgive sins. Now you think about this for a moment. You you think about what it means to be guilty before a righteous, before a perfect, holy God. And I think about, even just on a human level, the guilt that gets stirred up within me when when I see those red lights flickering behind me and I get pulled over. I'm like, I'm guilty. Just take me in right now. I feel guilty no matter what. I'm like, I did it. I did it. Right? You think about the next time you're awake at 2 in the morning playing over and over again that thing you did or that thing you said which you wish you could get back and you feel the guilt of that that, that weighs on you for you, what you said to your wife or your, your husband or your kids or your co-worker. Our God is able in Jesus to become human and to suffer on a cross, listen to me, and to purchase our pardon and to free us and to cleanse us from our guilt and to free us from the penalty of the law, to free us through Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross from the penalty of law and, and of the law and of, of death. And only God can do this. You know, we can forgive each other for the things that we have done to each other, and that's an amazing thing. But nobody can cleanse me from my guilt before God but God Himself. And if you've never asked Him to do this, you can ask Him today. And He'll do it today, and you can have a fresh start today. He will, he will dwell in your heart. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, he will dwell in your heart by faith, by you putting your trust, your confidence in him. God, 
on my own. I can't bridge the gap between me and you. The things that I've done, the, 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 the stuff that's happened in my heart, in my life. God, I know I can't pay it all, but Jesus paid it all. And so, Lord, I put my faith in him. I put my trust in him. And Paul says that by faith, he'll come and live in your heart and make you brand new. The question is, life point, what do you want to see God do in your life? What do you need for our God who is able to do for you? What do we need to see him do for our church? Do you believe he's able? I think it starts right there. Do you believe? Do you have the faith to believe our God is able? And listen, I know some of you would say, well, Danny, I prayed one time, man. I prayed for my mother. I prayed for my grandmother. And they died. They, they, I, thought, I, thought, I, I thought I touched God for that. And, 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 and they died. Or I prayed for my marriage and it didn't make it. I, I, Danny, I, I, I believed all the things that you're saying and it didn't work. Listen, I don't know how God does it. I don't know why God does it sometimes and not in other times. But it's never, it's never going to change the fact for me that I believe. I will never stop believing that our God is able to heal and deliver and provide and set free and change lives. And I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you over these next several weeks just to be open to the idea that maybe our God is able. Like, I don't care what's happened in your past, and I'm not here to demean what's happened in your past, and I'm not here to diminish the pain or the suffering you've been through. I'm asking you, would you just open your heart, would you open your imagination to the idea that our God is a healer, that our God is a savior, that our God is a, it, it, it deals in hope and in life and in new things and in changing people's lives and hearts. Would you believe that our God is able? Whatever you're carrying, whatever you brought in here today, I, I, I don't know how else to tell you this deeply enough. Whatever you brought in here, whatever the tender spot in your heart is right now, I just know this. I don't know how to tell you how God will do it. I don't know how to tell you when he'll do it. I just wanted to tell you this, that our God is able, and not only is he able, but that he loves you. He loves you with a love that I don't know how to comprehend. You don't know how to comprehend. But you put the fact, you put these two truths together that God loves me more than I can begin to love myself and that he's able. You put those two truths together, man. And you can see why Paul would say to him who is able to do immeasurably a more than all we can think or imagine to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. To him be glory forever and ever, amen. You can see why his heart is so stirred up that he just sings this doxology of praise, this anthem of praise, because he sees, he realizes this tidal wave of God's love and this tidal wave of God's power coming together. And I want you to believe that. So heads are bowed, eyes are closed for just a moment. If it's, if it's you who would say, Danny, I want to put my trust in Jesus. I want to put my faith in him. I want you to do that. I want you just to pray in your own words, in your own way. Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me. I believe that you died on a cross for me. I, but, but I also believe, Lord, that the Bible tells me that, that you rose from the grave to give life, to give hope, to change directions. And Lord, I'm going to ask you just to come live in me, to be the forgiver of my sins, God, to be the healer of my brokenness, my shame, my guilt, whatever it is that I have before God. Would you just do that in my heart and in my life? I, I want to follow you. I'm going I'm I'm to turn around from the direction I've been going. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to go in a new direction. I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. 
and you're going to be my Lord, and, and by your Spirit, you're going to empower me, and you're going to guide me day by day, and I want to do that today in Jesus' name. And some of you would say, just need to have the boldness, the courage, just even if there's just a spark of faith. And, and what I prayed for you is even if you have no faith that God, that, that right now, because it's been dinged up or damaged, that, that God would put just a spark so that over the next few weeks, that as the Spirit breathes, and, and, and it would span the flame of that so that you would believe again. God, for those of us who are dealing with marriage problems or financial problems or, 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 or health or, or whatever it is, God, that you would speak life and hope in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.